Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bradley Adam. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we break every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Adam, I got a question for you. Uh, sure, what's up? How many economics podcasts do you listen to on a weekly basis? Oh, I listen to zero economics podcasts. Uh, I okay. maybe check, uh, you know, what's what's the NPR thing where they talk about economics? It's not Freakonomics. It's, uh, Planet Money. No, it's not Planet Money. The Indicator. No, no, no. It's the one they just do as part of the morning show. I can't think of what it's called. Anyway, that's about the limit. Uh, how about you? What are you clocking? I bet it's more than me. I bet it's Planet Money and The Indicator from NPR. <laughs> so two two economics podcasts. For one you. of them's a daily podcast, if it helps. Wow. So. Okay. Well, that's just that's just like, I don't know what that is. That's beyond podcasting to me. That's just like news coverage. I mean, it's national public radio, so yeah. Yeah. Kind of. The daily one's only like 10-minute episodes. It's oh, okay. Yeah, even Regardless, that. Regardless, because of that, I am someone who was aware of Davos. Oh, sure. The World mm-hmm. Economic Forum. Yeah, that was in the news, you know. Which makes it very interesting that we're going to be covering this episode, a x-men comic that takes place at the world economic <laughs> forum at davos um as part of our episode all about politics um which of course was recommended by n- nobody nobody n- nobody there's two ends oh okay so it's a patreon uh subscriber my patreon subscriber to nobody who wanted us to talk about global politics and the x-men dealing with such things so we're doing that to kick off our new year adam Great. I love this. Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, we might as well get into it. The world is a fraught place. Well, would you like to tell our people how they can uh, request an episode just like nobody? Oh, yeah. Uh, If you are somebody, uh, you may want to go over to patreon.com slash comics XF. And, you know, I think it's just a couple of bucks. You can get an episode handcrafted by us. To the point where it could be as specific as do an episode about global economics and politics, and we will do it. So uh, hit us up with your ideas and your bucks and help support all the wonderful people over at Comics XF in their ongoing uh, journey to provide you with amazing comics criticism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Zach, where are we starting this week? Davos, Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> World Economic Forum. Yes, uh, several of Krakoa's leaders have been invited for dinner, and this is X Men Volume f- Five. Five, number five, four. number four. It's John, John Hickman, Leniel oh, Francis Yu, John Hickman, uh, Leniel Francis Yu, and Gary Alagulian, uh, who I believe this is his last uh, issue before he sadly passed away. Wow, that's sad. Sonny Gao does the colors, uh, Clayton Clowes on those letters. And in this issue, 
Apocalypse? You know, the <laughs> the giant gray evil man. Big blue, big gray. He goes to the Davos World Economic Forum in a three-piece suit. Looking good. Uh, it's you actually know. just a two-piece suit. Let's be clear. <laughs> Sorry. Three-piece would be too formal for this. It's a business meeting. Oh, man. Uh, yes, Th- there is a-, a great deal of humor to be gotten out of the fact that the attendees from Krakoa of this meeting are uh, Magneto, Xavier, and uh, he whose name cannot be spoken by humans, but formerly known as Apocalypse, along with Cyclops. One of the humans <laughs> does ask, would you prefer Mr. Sabanur? <laughs> It's great, it's actually. Great, great line. No one uh, knows how to deal with apocalypse at this dinner party, which is also understandable. How much is it? Is it weird that there's at least two dinner parties that apocalypse makes awkward on Krakoa? It like, seems in his to be a year theme. on the books. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's it's a theme. Uh, also in attendance are Cyclops and Gorgon, and all of them are wearing very nice tailored suits. Um, so the fact that Xavier is walking in with the Cerebro helmet on and the suit, um, <laughs> Gorgon wearing, well, I guess it's not that weird for Gorgon. Gorgon but, has his sunglasses on because if he doesn't wear them, he'll kill everybody. <laughs> right. Gorgon has a perfectly good reason for wearing his sunglasses indoors. It's so he doesn't murder you. So, um, this issue is notable for a couple of reasons. Um, the suits being one. The second might be the data page that introduced the concept of war captains. Um, so we're, we're finally getting an idea of how the defense and uh, strategy involving Krakoa is developed with these leaders. Um, Turns out Cyclops is running it. Cyclops who that first year of Krakoa Cyclops was just vibing. And I love that for him. <laughs> He's enjoying all of this. He's swarmy with the uh with the guy who's you know patting him down and all this stuff. He said, Don't worry, we'll be on our best behavior. And then in what I've got to say is one of my favorite parts, he looks he looks at the guard that he's working with, puts his hand on him, he says, I got some real bad news on that good behavior front, friend. <laughs> because the u.s government is trying to assassinate magneto and xavier and apocalypse and scott summers and gorkin are there to quietly stop that while uh while the leaders of krakoa have a very fancy dinner an intense intense dinner so we have representatives uh from wakanda china the united states brazil italy switzerland and india we have this delicious four course menu uh that is going to be served out and the interactions at the table the the way the issue is structured for those of you who haven't read it is it's the interactions at the table and then as zach mentioned we have a hired assassins on uh floors above and below that are prepared to at a moment's notice come in and somehow kill these guys, which like, did you really think that was going to work? Um, which and of course, Xavier straight up calls out. He's like, you tried to kill me like a month ago. <laughs> you succeeded. Uh, they he don't, doesn't mention that part. He does not. So as Magneto is um, delivering a 
really classic soliloquy, which we can get into. Um, Cyclops takes one floor, Gorgon takes the other, and um, makes mincemeat out of the attackers. So <laughs> it's great. It's great, and yet it almost takes away a bit from just how cutting Jonathan Hickman's dialogue is with Magneto. Magneto primarily, but also Xavier and Apocalypse get great moments. They talk about what the role of Krakoa is in the economic uncertainty that that's bringing up with all of these nations now that Krakoa has gained a massive amount of wealth and influence in the world in a very short amount of time. You know, and what it comes down to, and this is, you know, there's a criticism of Krakoa that some people who, what I would say are reading things in maybe not the best faith, saying, oh, they're just using, you know, they're using capitalism and doing all this stuff. They aren't better than the humans. Magneto directly talks to that and says, look, we're doing what you guys are doing. You're mad at us for doing the things that you have been doing for years to oppress people. So here's what we're going to do. It turns out you've been very successful at that. We're going to be better than you. We're going to be more successful than you, not because we need this, but because it's a language we know you understand so that you will know when you are beaten and then we can maybe make a better world. But until then, we're going to continue to flex our muscles and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, uh, there's this amazing nine panel page where he is chowing down on some steak. And I do have some questions about whether uh, Magneto is is speaking with his mouth full, uh, which is very he possible. Is. He absolutely <laughs> is. But he does say to this group of, uh, of international liaisons, we will buy your banks. We will buy your schools. We will buy your media. We will buy your politicians. And later... and farther down the page he says and that is how it will end like a fire with no oxygen and it is it is really just as you say him talking about what their toolbox is and using it against them and then watching them kind of the the blood drain out of their faces they realize oh we're screwed this is not gonna work out and you know that's the the tool of the oppressor is you know, okay, we're going to meet you in good faith at this dinner party. We're also going to assassinate you right here. That doesn't work out. The American liaison gets a little freaked out because his plan has not worked. And Charles Xavier gives a great message. Again, this is, you could read this as a direct response to criticism of Krakoa, but that's not how comics works in the timeline they are created on. Yeah. This is, this is a smart writer looking at, yeah, I know what I built here hold on, let me tell my story. Charles Xavier says, do you think I've completely given up on my dream of mutants and humans coexisting peacefully? Do you think I don't love you? Because I do. And I want you to always remember that. He takes off his helmet for the first time in this era. So you are sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is Charles Xavier mm -hmm. saying these things. He has not given up on what he's doing, been doing for years. But he has realized that the moment that they step, that mutants step out of line, they will be crushed, they will be beaten down, and they will not have a chance to coexist. So the mutants have to strengthen themselves so that they can withstand any of that, so that maybe his dream has a chance of coming true. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's capped off by Magneto basically saying, hey, uh, we noticed that you tried to kill us. And if you try it again, expect a response. Uh, <laughs> I'm at the king best not miss. Yeah, there's some really great moments in here, including uh, when <laughs> Apocalypse notes that <laughs> as the U.S. Uh, ambassador says something along the lines of, well, who cares about how the Bronze Age ended? And Apocalypse is like, I, I know. I was there. You should like, oh yeah. Well, well, how, how did it end? Uh, I end. <laughs> it me. was me. <laughs> it was me. And Sabanor is so good in this issue. It's so frustrating that apocalypse was turned from frankly, a pretty mediocre villain with a cool design into this powerhouse of our character. Yeah so good yeah well, i miss him i really do the i other... miss him he he'll be coming back i'm one sure. of these days yes one of these days our blue dad will return for us will he do some things that aren't great yeah he's still a super villain folks <laughs> uh speaking of super villains i do appreciate that while cyclops just you know concussive blasts everybody gorgon has taken it uh taken his blades and removed all of the soldiers arms so because he believes in krakoan law and he's not going to kill anyone however he uh wants everybody to remember the <laughs> the guilt and the embarrassment of this day gorgon does not have a good grasp on how much blood a human body can lose. I was wondering that dies. myself, but Gorgon doesn't Gorgon kind of dumb. And I'm glad we, I'm glad we have reset Gorgon so that he is a usable character nowadays. Uh, but Gorgon is kind of dumb, uh, but he works in this issue. It's just like, this is a cool, fun issue of comics that is the promise of, Hey, this is the stuff you can do with the story engine. That is Krakoa. It is not the best payoff of that story engine. It's not even the best payoff in this run of that story engine. But it's a pretty darn good one. This is a yeah. good issue. This is yep. the issue that I was like, oh, because the first three issues of Hickman's X-Men, I was hot and cold on. There were parts I liked, parts that I wasn't so sure about. It was a lot of setup. Four is when I was like, right, he wrote Hoxpox. It's the best X-Men story. I should just like, I should just like hang on for the ride. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good was, ride. I yeah. love that ride. So I th think we should try and rank this on our big old list. What do you think, Zach? I think that we have 726 stories of X-Men ranked from best to worst uh, on our road to 800. Number one on our list is the House of X Powers of 10, uh, written by Jonathan Hickman. Number 100 is Giant Size X-Men, number one. Uh, number 200 on this list is Generation X Underground Special. Number 300 on our list is Gambit Volume 1. Number 400 on our list is Cable and Deadpool 7 through 10, The Burnt Offering. Number 500 on this is Deadpool Bad Blood. Number 600 on this list is X-Men Heroes for Hope. Number 700 on this list is Dazzler, the movie. And then the Draco's at the bottom. Top 100? Yeah. I mean, it is. I, here's And here's why that's not even a question for me. Hickman's New Mutants is at 104. Mm -hmm. Uh marauders is at 109 yep. the first arc of that this is better than both of those yeah i would agree it's, it's uh, better than giant size x-men number one it's better than age of x-men next gen, gen at 96 better than next gen 
Is it better than Al Ewing's first arc of sword? I don't think so. Having just read, right reread it. Yeah, I think we're right in there, but it is better than Jeff Johns Morlocks one to four. So I, I would put it at 78. Wow. That was shockingly easier than I expected. <laughs> well, we've, we've been reading a little bit more of the, the contemporary stuff. So I feel like it's a little easier for us. We know this is solid stuff, but we also have like some other landmarks to tether it to. So Listen, that's a good, it's a good issue. Laniel Francis, you does kill it on this oh, issue. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, very um, tight. The problem with this one is that uh, very soon after the crucible happens. Right. Uh, so it gets over. And that's like, oh, there's the high water mark. There we go. Yep. Yep. So um, speaking of high water marks, I feel like we really should for our next uh, story, just talk about one of the best r- couple of issues of X factor maybe ever written. What do you think, Zach? No, <laughs> that's not what we're doing. Oh, shucks. We're talking about X Factor 82 and 83, the Expatriates, uh, by Peter David, Rick Tyler, and Mark Basella. Yeah, this is that unfortunate uh, little period in between Casada drawing the book and Executioner's Song, where Peter David tried to go off on a little tangent about a group that had previously appeared in the book, the X patriots uh in this case spelled x apostrophe apostrophe patriots who are a group of genosian um refugees who have come to america seeking a home and um, don't really know i guess about the events of extinction agenda not sure how that timeline really works out i don't Um, necessarily know if they don't know about extinction agenda or if they say yeah, I don't really trust that the government got overthrown. I've seen a lot of governments like just I'd just rather not be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, the X Factor crew is you know kind of on a, a break between assignments, getting into conflicts with uh, Val Cooper and you know who's in charge here, all the normal Peter David X Factor stuff. But in the midst of this, this group is causing some trouble. Um, we also get a visit before that from the X-Force version of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, they show up. What Toad a weird back. cast. <laughs> Fantasia. People really like Fantasia. I don't... I think she has a nice design. I've got nothing for her. Does she have a nice... I don't really understand the Fantasia thing. Like, I understand Girl. wanting more out of the character, but... Was there a lot there to begin with? No, and I think that's... Fantasia strikes me very much as, you know, all of those characters that were in the New X-Men yearbook that people, that had nothing going for them except for, like, two likes and a dislike, so people grafted whatever <laughs> they wanted onto these characters and said, no, yes. this is definitely what this character thinks, and then everyone was like, who the heck is DJ? <laughs> right, right. Um, it's that. What I will say is that uh, there is a particularly great moment um, where Sauron is fighting rain up in the air and he lets it slip that he killed Sam and rain is Sam like, gets better. you did what? <laughs> now, of course, we as the readers know that that Sam is an external at this point and immortal um, and rain does not. So she basically just bites Sauron's neck, um, which is fantastic. Rurik Tyler does an interesting job on the art here. It's not my favorite, 
But I know that in issue 83 has art that's not your favorite either, Adam. Well, yeah. I mean, Tyler's artwork is is just kind of like fill-in house whatever. Um, it's, it definitely does not look good. It's definitely not as stylized as we've been used to with Stroman and Casada. But gosh darn it, man. I always get annoyed when I see uh, Mark Pacella's artwork on a book. It just drives me absolutely nuts. And we were talking about this off air. I think a lot of this stems from just like being 13 and seeing Pacella take over X-Force and just wondering what, like I have friends who could probably draw this book better than this. And, um, this book just looks like absolute garbage. Uh, the, the second issue here that we're talking about involves the expatriates being taken on a tour of New York city. So they get to visit places like the Metropolitan Museum of Art or a disco, which is strangely open during the day for some reason. Ne- You've never been never. to a day disco? What's that? A day You've disco? never been to a day disco? Well, sure, I guess. Is this like a common thing that people just... Everyone goes um, to day discos all the time, Adam. You know this. Oh, okay. I thought you were a Metropolitan New York boy. Big, well, uh, big Apple, big city. Big dreams, Adam Rock. Wherever this, wherever this supposed day disco is, um, I hope they're still listening to Peter David's immortal lyrics to the mutant rap, um, which strong guy. That joke sucks. Oof. It's a, it's a definitely a spin on, uh, vanilla ices. Go ninja, Ninja go ninja, go the ninja, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja. Here's the thing. That song is so bad that it rules. Does it kind of rules. No, it kind of rules that Vanilla Ice for a major motion picture did a movie where he's unironically going, go ninja, go ninja, go, talking about giant dancing turtles. <laughs> the thing about the, well, not really Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, but the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is that it's literally the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that could ever be made. Like they, they got it in one. There's nothing you could actually improve about that movie without breaking it being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It's amazing. I still like it's it's not quite perfection like to the original Mirage comics, but I mean, it's about as close as you're going to get. Come on. Again, it's we're talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is the best they're ever going to get. (laughs) You do anything more, add any more pathos and it's going to break them. Yeah, because the human mind watching a live action movie cannot stop to think okay yeah but we are talking about giant ninja turtle (laughs) men right it's what michael bay didn't realize oh jesus no thank you to that um so with peter david making a very poor joke here um plus the absolutely shockingly bad artwork um there's not much to recommend here Uh, it's really weird how it goes from a a vanilla ice ninja rap parody immediately to a hate crime. Yeah. One of the, uh, Genosian, uh, former mutate kids is just, you know, sculpting with cold fire as one does. Unfortunately, he's doing this in central park and some locals who just seem really just afraid of what doesn't really seem very scary. Um, uh, decide to, you know, beat him to death. And, uh, the, the thing about this is like, there are like, some select scenes throughout executioner's song that do try and follow up on this, but it really does just kind of get dropped. Part of the reason why Peter David quit X factor 
is because Executioner's Song completely interrupted this arc. I mean, I'm glad that he, you know, stood by his artistic principles, I guess. And um, that's a weird, it's a weird story to stake your claim on of early 90s X-Men and saying that, no, this is the level of artistic integrity that I'm going to take. But hey, you know what? Yeah, and you know, you I you. I appreciate the uh, the basic intention of wanting to tell a story about you know immigration, uh, refugees, migrants, um, and in in the mutant metaphor, like it's just not executed with any kind of interesting storyline. These characters are not interesting. What they're doing is not interesting, and their uh, interactions with X Factor are not interesting either. So. This is bad, and I think we should uh, put it down the list where it belongs. We are not an X-Factor-friendly podcast, are we? Well, listen, if it's... I, I genuinely enjoy the the Strowman and, and the Casada stuff leading up to this, but it really goes off the rails when it does not have a, a stylistic artist paired with him. So, I'm going down the list. Examinations is at number 90 on the list. It's way below that. Yeah, of course. Um, The Nasty Boys stuff with... Strowman's at 142. Below that. This is worse than Beauty and the Beast at 597. Man, you jumped way down, and I love it. Well, let's get serious. This is crap. Uh, it is not I good. fell asleep reading this comic. Yeah, it, it is not interesting in the slightest. So I'm working my way down into the 600s here. I was a little... I was... I was tired and I had just gone back from a Christmas party. So <laughs> I don't think this is as good as 651, which is the first six issues of X Factor. Um, oh, okay. No, Adam, Adam. You think this is better than that? Adam, your hate has blinded you. Oh, come on. The first six issues of X Factor. Let's just, let's just look at the first issue that absolutely ruins Scott Summers for like seven years. So the rest of the book is fixing that first issue. Okay. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm not going to go much higher than this. This is not better than 646 Morlock State Manhattan. Yeah, they, they are equally bad. Um, yeah. It's about as good as Phalanx coming at Life Signs. I'm going to give it to Life Signs. I think that's better. So this is our new 649. I don't know. Is this better than Furnace of His Mind and Love His Heart? Probably not. No, absolutely not. Putting it below that, we're putting it above Ex- Excalibur 115 Missionaries. All right. that's That seems like an appropriate spot. This is just like a nothing story that looks like poop. Uh, it's a weird one. And listen, Peter David has written a lot of stories. Peter David's written a lot of forgettable stories. This is one of them. Yeah. Um, we're going to stick with Odd. This is Odd. Uh, Odd, you're talking about the comic book event of 2003. <laughs> it sure didn't feel that way. Uh, tell me, tell me what this is, Zach, because I didn't know. I pride myself on the career of this particular artist, uh, Chris Chris Bocciolo, and uh, I'm sure that on some list somewhere I had read that this was something he had worked on, but I'd never read it. What sure. is this? You, what is Ultimate War from uh, 2003? Um, it's the Ultimates versus the Ultimate X-Men. It was the first Ultimate Universe crossover. Oh, my. That, that does sound really important. Um, it's written by Mark Millar. 
um, pencils by Chris Bachelo. Tim Townsend's on those inks. You got those tight Townsend inks. Um, Andy Owens also jumps in. Hey, shocking no one. The farther you get into this, the more inkers Chris Bachelor has. <laughs> uh, it's a four issue miniseries. He goes up from one inker to three anchors by the end. All right. I want to hold the, the Chris for a second because I do hold the Chris. Some notes. Man, are we saying Millar or Miller at this point? I mean, what his we... name is Miller. His name's Miller. Is it Miller? Yeah. He's just man, Scottish. Can I just say? I hate Mark Miller's writing, man. It drives me absolutely nuts. This is so bad. Nothing happens in this story. Nothing. That's, it takes till the third that's the problem. issue for these guys to fight. And then they don't really fight. It's that's bad. the thing about this. So the Ultimates have just gotten back from their first arc. Uh, so Black Widow's on the team. Uh, Hulk uh, is gone I don't know, fighting Freddie Prince Jr. or something. I forget. And the X-Men had been split up, but they have gone underground because uh, Hank McCoy may have spilled a bunch of the X-Men secrets to his girlfriend on the internet. Uh, but oops, it turns out his girlfriend was a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Way to go, Hank. His girl, his Hank, Hank McCoy does get catfished by a, uh, by a gorilla man, which well, is wild. It, it is. Uh, it is interesting. Um, I, I would like to note that within these pages, um, that choice and the way that they describe this fictional person is pretty offensive. Um, oh, it's a Mark. Okay. That comes off as wrong. It is a Mark Miller comic from 2003. It's they use the exact language that you would expect. Yeah. I think there's a, I, I shared it in our Slack the other day. There's a four panel uh, spread from either the first or the second issue where in no short order, he basically does like the sexist language. Then he goes over and does the anti-Semitic stuff, which I'd like to get into. And then he basically like the way he is voicing storm throughout this is like, really borderline racist and oh man he is just distasteful on every every <laughs> end that you can think of it's a lot oh it's so bad it's so bad like every character has to address another character with some kind of name so characters are constantly calling each other name like uh, a dude or man uh it, it it's it's Oh, I'm sorry. I, I need a break from talking about Mark Miller for a second. Uh, do you want to handle like the basic plot of this, which is not really there? Uh, so you remember at the end of Ultimates Tomorrow People, Ultimate X-Men the Tomorrow People, where Magneto had President George W. Bush naked on the White House lawn and the X-Men stopped him. And you remember that. Yes. His main name, mm-hmm. main memory. Well, the other person who remembers this is President George W. Bush, who is pretty upset when he finds out that Magneto's definitely still alive and it is believed that Charles Xavier helped him escape, which is true, is part of the problem. Sure. Charles Charles Xavier did keep Magneto and try and rehabilitate him, a la Joseph, a la Sabretooth, a la all of those things as an old man feeding pigeons in the park. 
Yeah, it didn't um, work. And now the Brotherhood is blowing up trucks on the Brooklyn Bridge. They are doing some terrorist activities. This is a post 9-11 comic. Uh, there's a lot going on with that. The X-Men are underground, uh, dealing with a lot of things. Also dealing with the fact that in the last issue of Ultimate X-Men, Wolverine and Cyclops and new recruit Kitty Pride were in the Shadow, or not the Shadowland, the Savage Land. Uh, and Wolverine very deliberately drops Cyclops down a chasm to murder him. And it's suggested in this story that maybe he did it to get a Jean Grey. Uh, it's suggested in this story because that was the explicit text of why he did it. Yes. Yes. Uh, Cyclops doesn't die. He eventually comes back, but he does have every bone in his body broken from falling down a pit. And everyone's pretty cool with Wolverine doing that long term. You know, it might help here if any of these characters seemed even remotely likable. But the Ultimates are not likable. The Ultimate X-Men are oh, not likable Okay, the Ultimates either. are not likable. And on one purpose. thing that I think... Yeah, that that's one thing that does get lost, is that Mark Miller is making the Ultimates the unlikable military arm of superheroes. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is not supposed to be the good guys. This is very much a critique of post 9-11 ideas of superheroes and who heroes are and how the government should react. But that kind of gets lost in the fact that they are still Captain America and Thor and all of your favorite Avenger friends. <laughs> well, there is a good gag. I'll give Mark Miller credit for this one where um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson takes uh, George Bush to the town of Lincoln, um, <laughs> which is another acronym for leaders in need Christian only lockdown network, uh, which is essentially a safe town for, for presidents like the ultimate insecurity. And okay. If we're going for this post nine 11, like, you know, take on department of Homeland security. That's not a bad one. I'll give it to him. The ultimates is filled with great ideas and execution that may or may not be terrible. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately not much happens. Uh, nothing happens in this comic. No Pietro and Wanda come to help the Avengers. The Magneto basically shows up, shoots out Pietro's kneecaps. Oof. Uh, and then destroys the place and flies away. And then they figure out where the X-Men are. And then there's some limited fighting in, in, I guess the third issue, but not much happens here. They capture Xavier and say, follow this story in the pages of Ultimate X-Men. Yeah, like very, for for it being a, a mini, you we would expect there to be at least another issue because the, the last issue kind of wraps up with Iceman, who is not currently on the Ultimate X-Men team. His parents pulled him out of the X-Men. Right. Something. He basically shows up and like freezes half of the city to, you know, stop what's going on. Um, and that's it. That's how it ends. That's so it. I want to talk about Chris's work here. Please. You know, I love Chris. You know, what I is? have a page of Chris's behind me. Yeah, I know. I was with you when you bought a page of Chris's. I've got we are one. fans. I, I stare at it every day. It's right over top of my computer in my office. He is by far my favorite artist um, in comics, if not my favorite. 
Um, I'm hard pressed to, to think of another artist I like more. That said, I think what he's doing here is messy to the point where it disrupts the story. One of the things that he's playing around with is he's doing these panels where characters are constantly mid leap off screen. So you get half a character, you might get the leg of a character. And unfortunately, because I think these costumes are not as they're much more drab. They're not as easily recognizable. If you have not been reading these books, it becomes difficult to tell who is who. And there's a lot of busyness in terms of his framing that just does not help the story. Um, there were definitely silhouettes and special effects, explosions, things that I saw on pages that just to me, I, I could not really tell what they were. And I appreciate that he's experimenting. He always is trying new things, but to me, this, this was not working as well. as We had a conversation. We had a conversation, you, I, and a few others in the Comics XF Slack recently about how we should just figure out how do you rank all of Bachelor's art styles? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we all know what the best is and we all know what the worst is, but that middle area is very interesting. And this is this is on the lower side of good Bachelor styles. It's pretty pretty confusing, pretty messy, pretty hard to hard to deal with. Yeah, it's it's a style that is definitely going to lead up to eventually what he does with Bendis's Uncanny, right? Which is like, a style that I like, actually. Yes, that that turns the corner back to let's let's still keep that weird sketchiness, but have it a lot tighter and have the have the characters maintain focus and keep it on the scenes. Like he does it well there. I think you know he even starts to get to that point with stuff like Supernovas. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um, but for, for whatever reason, this was not, this was not singing, uh, to me. So, um, I did not really enjoy reading this very much, Zach. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think that this was a book that I had like a lot of, uh, (laughs) I know you have a fondness for ultimate X-Men that I don't usually share. And I I have an interesting fondness to it. I don't know (laughs) if I enjoy it in so much that it sure is a book that I own all of. (laughs) <laughs> do you own this one? Oh yeah i own this oh, one. Yeah. I re- adam i read my hardcover of this one instead of the app wow hardcover huh <laughs> i got it i have a i have it in hardcover well it's not um, very good i'll tell you what i will not be buying anytime soon is this in any sort of physical media so let's let's take a look uh down the list i this is certainly not as bad as expatriates at 650 it's not what what all hold on let me find some ultimate stories tell me if this is better than part two of x-men the end zach as the x-men the end uh advocate (laughs) on this show um that's the one where gambit does trade places with sinister no it's not as good as that (laughs) all right so we are it's not as good as that you're um this is better than Rise of Apocalypse. I would and agree. I would say this is this is even better than Quest Probe. Maybe not as good as Nightcrawler: The Winding Way. I wow, we we got that really quickly. So this is going to be our. New we have been six. on a roll tonight, Adam. Yeah, man, we've been pinpointing like 
laser scope precision. This is that was pretty tight. So that this is going to be our new six fourteen ultimate war. It is certainly it is. not the ultimate anything. Uh, but our ultimate Patreon supporter is Nobody this week. Uh, Nobody, thank you for going over to Patreon.com. Like great patrons like JJ McCorvey or the new person whose name I forgot to write down so far, but we'll shout out next week. If you want to be like any of these people, go on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, rewind this episode and listen to what Adam told you to do at the beginning of it. Adam, <laughs> anything you want to shout out? I mean, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at adam.rec. Uh, other than that, this is being recorded for for two weeks in advance. I, I don't think I'll have done anything of note by then so i will have made food and enjoyed christmas <laughs> happy new year and happy uh, happy 2023 everybody yeah. i hope you had a great christmas yeah i hope it's a good one and um zach what do we got going on next week next week we're going to take a little trip to genosha <gasps> uh-oh i thought we just got we, out of genosha we get in we get out <laughs> i lied we're going to mad reports a different island oh that's a different kind of story zach you got to be specific about these things well, hey, Adam, just wait till you figure out where we're going in two weeks. <laughs> but until then, folks, this has been Valley Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!